Hey guys, welcome to the Strandcast. My name's Noah. I'm Jen. And th- this week's episode is about greenness, considering that the climate march is happening. It will have happened once we release this episode, but it's about to happen as we're recording this. This week we're going to talk about misconceptions when it comes to environmental consciousness. Um, I, I'm someone who worked in the tree planting industry and have experience working in silviculture and reforestation, and it is not what you think it's going to be. It's a lot less environmentally friendly than you would think. And Jen? I got some thoughts and opinions. <laughs> I got some ideas that are going to be said um, about uh, sustainability and cosmetics as well as um, how that is portrayed in the media, namely uh, YouTube beauty culture. I know nothing about YouTube beauty culture, and mm-hmm. Jen knows nothing about silviculture, so we're going to just interview each other and kind of be inquisitive about mm-hmm. our mutual ignorance. Very exciting. Anyways, I'm going to talk first. Please do. Jen is going to interview me. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's start off with how was your, uh, how many years have you been tree planting? Uh, I've done two seasons in mm-hmm. rural Alberta. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Around Hinton, Alberta, if anyone knows where that is. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but to the Hinton, Albertans out there. Um, and how, what was your, what did you do in your tree planting? Besides, like, I know you plant trees. Yeah. But describe how many a day you did, how you did it. Also, what was the overall atmosphere um, in the bush with your fellow tree planters? Uh, that's kind of a big question. Um, yeah, some people think that when planting trees, you plant like one big tree a day, mm-hmm. which is completely not the case. Um, this last season, I was planting around 3,000 trees a day. Um, and wait, can I ask how much money on average do you get per tree? That's uh, not too intrusive. It, it varies based on, it's a whole diff, it's a huge system of, mm-hmm. of um, different like densities of trees and different kinds of trees mm-hmm. and the quality of the land all determine the price of mm-hmm. per tree. But I would say on average, I was getting paid around 15, 15 cents a tree. So 3000 trees times mm-hmm. 15 cents is around $450 a day. A day. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's how I pay for school. It's yeah. It's how is three thousand a lot per day. Like, do you three thousand? Yeah, three thousand is quite a bit. Like, what's um, the average for like? What would you think would be like the average for people that were in your like bush group? Uh, the average in our camp was around two thousand trees. Okay, um, so it's still a lot of money. Yeah, it's still it's still good money. Um, if yeah, if you can push yourself and do more, it's super worth it. Right. Um, obviously we don't get all four hundred fifty dollars. We also have to pay for camp costs and tax. Mm-hmm. But it's how I pay rent in Toronto. I can I work. Didn't know you got food, like, yeah, yeah. I, I can I can work for three months during the summer and then be able to pay for rent and school mm-hmm. by just doing that. But the culture itself is um, it's mm-hmm. very it's intense. It's an intense social environment because you are forced to stay with this group of people for three months. You really don't have any contact with the outside world. Right. Like you can call your friends on day off, mm-hmm. but you have to get along with these people. And if you don't, it's going to make your life suck. So. I've only had really, for the most part, good experiences. I love the people that I work with. It's like an incredible social environment, and I feel very familial to those people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very big party culture also because right. you don't really have much to do other than work. And plant trees and party. Have, yeah, plant trees and party. Mm-hmm. So um, that's always really fun. I think the best – I'm confident that the best parties I will ever be at in my life will be in – Rural Alberta. Okay. Yeah. In <laughs> Not in Hinton, but just in the bush. Okay. And you live in a tent. Right. You know, we do have like showers and a trailer and we get food okay. made for us. Yeah. I was, okay. I'm, 
I I proudly was the only person to shower every single day of the season. Oh, that's it. Year. Yeah. My nickname was Clean Noah. So oh, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but why do we talk about the environmental side? That's what I was going to yeah. say. Yeah, I know you have some um, opinions on how it's not always as eco-friendly as maybe it is portrayed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, a lot of people, when I tell them that I'm a tree planter, they say, that's so. That's such a like good thing to do for the world. Mm -hmm. You're working so hard to try and save the planet. And that's not actually the case because the reason that we are planting the trees is because the forestry companies that are, hire us as a subcontractor have clear cut the areas that we are then planting. Right. And these trees will grow and seven years from now, they'll do the same thing. They'll clear cut it. The trees that we're planting are meant to be toilet paper in the future. You know, right. they're meant they're to be, meant to, like, they're not meant to just like live on forever. Right. Sometimes that is the case, but it's very rare that you plant trees that stay. I mean, the dream of all tree planters is that by the time our trees are 70 years old and we are old, um, that it will no longer be necessary for these trees to be cut down and they'll be able to live until their natural death, but that's very unlikely. Also, the emissions that, uh, like, just getting to the block, um, the transport in these camps are exclusively based out of like mm -hmm. obviously there's no public transport to get us to, through rural Alberta service roads. There's a lot of diesel being burned. And also we, everyone who, or almost everyone who works in this camp does not mm -hmm. come from Alberta. So you're flying in 70 people, that's a lot of emissions. And then they have to also then accumulate goods to be able to survive in the bush. Mm -hmm. So by the end of the season, when we all move camp and go home, there's just, there's literally a giant pile of garbage. I was going to ask, how is the waste management yeah. while you're living in the same place? Or? So there's waste facilities in uh, in the small towns that we live around. Mm -hmm. um, we have a trailer that we load up with garbage, bring it there. Um, but it's pretty sad. I wish that I had a photo to post with this. But mm -hmm. um, it's pretty sad to see, like, how many tarps and just, like, polyesters and, like, all of these different things we need but can't transport home just because it would be way too expensive. Mm -hmm. um, it's all wasted. There's also a lot of emissions being, I mean, there's a lot of carbon dioxide being emitted in the cutting down of the trees as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's it's not a good deed. We are enabling the bad guys. And they cut them down in order for you to plant more, right? So they could have some more. Well, they cut them down to harvest the wood and... To turn uh, into toilet paper. Yeah. Um, and so... They want us to do a good job because the government regulates the speed with which the reforestation process goes. And so if you violate that speed, if you if your trees aren't growing fast mm -hmm. enough, then the company is fined. So and but if you go faster than what is required, then you are enabled to cut down more trees. The faster that your reforested areas grow, the more surface area of the forest you're allowed to cut down because the government is then assuming in the future you'll be able to reforest faster. Right. Um, so the better job we do, the more trees can get cut down. Yeah, right. which is kind of a sad mm -hmm. reality. When you initially signed up for tree planting two years ago, uh, were you aware of all of that? Um, yes. Uh, I was not fully aware. A lot of mm -hmm. the things that you learn about kind of the dark side of the job, you learn on the job. Mm -hmm. I had two friends who brought me into the industry um, who got me a job, and they kind of explained it to me. Mm -hmm. But learning about the 
forestry industry and the rules around it and how we are enabling reforestation. I think I largely did on the job by talking to foresters, mm -hmm. by talking to crew bosses, by talking to my foreman. I mean, for the most part, everyone who's there is very, it's kind of like this small hippie commune. And so everyone feels bad at, and like, but it's also seen as just a general part of the rest of the economy. Like okay. consuming in an everyday basis also just is destructive. Using transport of any kind that uses carbon emissions is seen as bad. So it's definitely this cognitive dissonance of we have to do this to make money. We have to do this to be able to live. Mm -hmm. And we understand that it's bad for the environment, but we know the job's going to be done anyway. No, yeah. Even I can say I worked at a greenhouse these past two summers um, and they sell plants. But even just the plastic we know with, yeah. with the amount of... Yeah, it's not as... Um, you learn more as you're doing it. Mm -hmm. And I guess you learn, uh, or at least what I learned, uh, this kind of issue of sustainability is a lot more complicated. Yeah. Uh, another note on uh, waste that I just thought of. Mm -hmm. um, often, like, the volume of waste for our, literally just the boxes that transport the trees mm -hmm. that we use is too much for us to be able to bring back to the city without, like, um, disrupting production. Mm -hmm. Like, someone taking time off to be able to go into town on a day that we should be planting. Mm -hmm. So what happens is these wax-coated boxes often just get burned in mass, mm -hmm. and it creates these like incredibly scenic, gigantic fires. But they're also terrible for our respiratory health and terrible for the environment around them. So even even the things that get the trees to the block to be able to you know like become the sink for carbon emissions, they themselves are also negatively impacting the things that you think that you're helping. Anyways, this thus concludes the section of uh, tree planting talk with mm -hmm. Noah. Now it's time for cosmetics talk with Jen. Um, so I don't know anything about YouTube cosmetics culture. You've never all. gandered the YouTube beauty community ever? I mean, I have, Even with like the James Charles drama, any of the big scandals. I didn't know there was drama. With There's been many scandals, not just with James Charles, but with a lot of the what? YouTube community in general, but also with the beauty community. Well, Anyways. Drama, drama aside, um, so the only link that uh, me as an outsider can think mm -hmm. to pull between cosmetics and the environment is just production. But I, I know mm -hmm. that I know that there's also this kind of eco, eco um, mm -hmm. cosmetics industry. Well, actually, um, I was going to talk about that, and I didn't actually even I'm not even I didn't even plan on touching on production and the energy that takes. Um, I was more so just going to mention the waste. A lot of which goes into landfills, and I didn't know this, but actually, 50% of uh, cosmetic packaging that comes out is actually recyclable. I didn't know that. Uh, so, if anybody else wants to know that out there, it is. It's not heavily advertised. But, I always but, just throw my foundation containers in right? the garbage. Or shampoo. So. Also, when I reference cosmetics, this is in reference to not only makeup, but shampoos, conditioners, skincare, yeah. perfume, so forth. Um, and you brought up uh, eco-friendly beauty, and something yeah. I wanted to talk about was this whole trend of natural beauty. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the ways in which cosmetics can be very harmful to the environment uh, is through the chemicals within them. Yeah. Chemicals such as formaldehyde, sodium sulfate, et cetera, and how it gets washed down our drains and into our lakes, and it goes into clouds, yeah. you know, through vapor, cloud science. Uh, <laughs> and, it, um, yeah. and it comes out through rain and so forth, and it's very toxic to our environment and destroys ecosystems. Um, and so there's this new trend of natural beauty where, and also people just don't want to put harmful chemicals on their bodies. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so there's this new trend of natural beauty, which is essentially uh, brands are promoting products that don't have these harmful chemicals in them. But instead of the chemicals, they're putting in other elements um, that are destroying our environment in different ways. Mm. So essentially, one of the ways that it's ruining it is they'll like, go through mines. They'll mine for you know minerals and things. Mm. Again, not a science gal. Um, so they mine for minerals and things, but that destroys kind of uh, unrenewable natural resources. Mm and also just destroys ecosystems as well. Mm. So they're kind of doing it in different ways. Something I want to touch on with that too, and also with natural, so basically I wanted to say that natural beauty is not always sustainable beauty. Yeah. But through marketing, I think they get associated through just relativity. So yeah. companies will market these products as very all natural mm. and very, uh, which they are, they have no harmful chemicals mm. in them, some of them. Uh, but in doing that, I think people by association just then think that these products are sustainable yeah. and friendly to our ecosystems because they'll use, you know, yeah. like burlap fabrics in there. What, you know what I mean? Yeah. And just it's all a, by relativity is it, associated. It's a differentiation between synthetics versus mm -hmm. naturally occurring chemicals, but both can be harmful. Right. And it's kind of how um, a product, like how sometimes companies will advertise something as cruelty-free, mm -hmm. uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's vegan, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? But sometimes people think because it's either vegan or cruelty-free, it'll also be the other one. But companies will purposely not. Like if somebody, something's being advertised as cruelty-free, mm. um, they won't come out and say it's not vegan, yes. but they'll advertise it in a way in which all of it is associated. Yeah. And so people without doing research, which no one's to blame yeah. because who does research on every single thing they buy yeah. extensively, um, they just kind of associate the two yeah. of them. There's this facade of mm -hmm. because it is either natural or sustainable, it's also the other one and everything else that is good. Right. It's just universally, we're placing this positive moral mm -hmm. judgment on our product and you can trust us and it's fine. Yeah, but makeup companies are very good at average, like just choosing their words wisely. Mm -hmm. So they're never lying to you, but they're also um, never giving you the full scope of things. Is there anything else that yes, I don't I know? To, I would like to get into YouTube culture. <laughs> okay, YouTube um, culture, let's get into it. And so one of the biggest uh, ways in which cosmetics are oftentimes unsustainable uh, is just the sheer amount of waste. When I get into the YouTube beauty culture, um, they're, like personalities on YouTube and the makeup community are always pushing new products. They're yeah. always, they're reviewing, they're recommending, oftentimes too, if it's a bigger YouTuber, they have their own line of products yeah. that they're pushing. Uh, but by doing that, people who are really into it are just constantly buying new things and yeah. not using what they already have. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's just personality mm -hmm. marketing. You have a relationship right. with this individual. And that's how you make your money. Yeah. Um, and so that's what they do. And by doing that, and also by these brands coming out with like new fancy packaging and whatever, it's always just making somebody want something more. Mm -hmm. And so when I watch those uh, YouTubers, I often think, I'm like, well, and I don't blame them for, you know, um, reviewing new products and pushing new products, but I just think that there could also be a mention of like, you know, but use up what you have first, which yeah. is a really easy way to be sustainable without having to buy expensive sustainable beauty sure. products. Mm. It's just like use what you have. You don't have to buy something new yeah. all the time. Mm. That makes sense. But so that bothered me. But then in researching for this podcast, I then went and looked at um, sustainable beauty YouTubers and mm -hmm. like just their view on that whole thing of like using what you have first. Yeah. And what I found was a lot of people didn't state that either. They would just um, push like sustainable beauty brands and like replacing your entire collection with something that is sustainable. Yeah, and that in itself is creating more consumption. More waste, and yeah. In the end, it's going to be worse. That's right, yeah. And yeah. so, I don't know, it's just, um, to me, the easiest way to be sustainable immediately is just not buying anything new if you already have something. Yeah. Which a big thing in the makeup industry is 
they constantly buying the new thing. Yeah, and and this logic can be extended to like almost Most all fields of oh, consumer for sure. culture. I've done a lot of research academically about how to uh, create a sustainable wardrobe. And really the answer in, at the end of the day is there's no such thing as a sustainable wardrobe, mm -hmm. but there are the least impactful ways to create a wardrobe, which is don't buy what you don't need, mm -hmm. thrift and reuse. And also just like swap with your friends. If you're bored, well, yeah. your, fr your friends definitely have stuff that ha is cool that they think is not cool. Oh, 100%. And also with this YouTube beauty culture too, people will do these like makeup collections. Mm -hmm tours mm. like, like their makeup closets yeah and it's so much makeup and i feel like anybody who's watching that who enjoys makeup who wants to get into it feels like they need to have all those different for sure things as well yeah in reality um I, like i often just think that those youtubers definitely aren't using every single one of those products of not. and yeah. they could very easily um to like give to other people and just reuse yeah yeah similar with like sneaker culture there's mm -hmm. so many videos of people like very rich people like athletes have tours of their sneaker right. closets right, right, right. that are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars mm -hmm. and you're like when do you wear those yeah. like i understand luxury and excess is mm -hmm. there to be a flex but if you're mm -hmm. only going to wear your like whatever red october's once in your life right. that's just wasted production material so 100%. yes it's fresh but also and you could easily, too much right and you could easily give that to somebody who wants it you know what i mean yeah. like instead of somebody going out and buying yeah more yeah for sure um, yeah and the other thing i just wanted to touch on um, was also often in these sustainable YouTuber uh, beauty videos, they would um, push this idea of not wearing makeup all that much because then over time you save the product and over time there's yeah. less waste. Yeah. But I kind of felt that was unnecessary, shall I say, finger pointing mm. because at the end of the day, I think people who are watching those videos are watching it so they can just find easy ways to be more sustainable. Mm. But they also might be people who just wear makeup more days out of the week than they don't. Mm. Um, I think trying to encourage them to not do that, and they they do it for a variety of reasons. Some people just like it, um, but I think encouraging that is uh, an easy way to turn somebody off of how to be sustainable. Because now you're not only just saying like, oh, like here's an easy thing you can do, like use what you have. Um, we're also now encouraging you just to change your lifestyle. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? No, I think that sums it up. That's about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for listening to this podcast, Strandcast episode number three of the season. Um, Obviously, this is not to be sourced in an academic paper. This is just our subjective oh, point yeah. of view. But, um, yeah, thanks for listening. See you next time.